Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. Today, I would like to talk about what does it mean to be in an authentic conversation and how do you create one? Jim, kick us off. Sure. So um, I, I had a sales call this morning and, and that felt like a very inauthentic conversation, mm. um, in part because um, he was talking. I was a little distracted. Honestly, I wasn't quite listening, but he wasn't listening either. Mm. And it felt completely scripted. So I, I think there's sort of three things that needs to happen here. Um, one is you need to be open and honest, right? Uh, the second is being spontaneous is helpful, not mm -hmm. essential. Mm -hmm. And the third is everyone needs to be listening to each other, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that that helps a lot. Philip, what did you think? I, I, I agree with Jim. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think trust and attitude are kind of foundational elements. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're trying to create authentic conversation, to your earlier point, we were all busy, everybody multitasks, you know, that type of thing. So you have to overcome that. And uh, I give people credit. I think many people can, can sniff out, uh, you know, if somebody's being a phony. And I think they can also sense if someone's being authentic. Um, but that can also be difficult on first impression. So um, uh, anyway, I, I think you need to be authentic with yourself first uh, and, and have, a, have some self-awareness. Um, but then to Jim's point, I think you've got to think about the other person. Uh, you know, that's uh, called being emotionally intelligent. Uh, you know, thinking about the other person, being being empathetic and uh, to, to what they're doing. You want to make sure the other person you're talking to is feeling heard, feels supported, feels listened to. And then uh, and then I think I think a lot of the work we've seen in, in diversity and equity and inclusion shown us to recognize there's differences. People come from different backgrounds and paradigms and things like that. And you really, uh, you know, we encounter people uh, in the world, but their view of the world is much different from ours. And so we have to be sensitive to that, I think, to, to hopefully achieve, you know, what we're striving for, which is hopefully some sort of authentic, meaningful conversation. Um, and, you know, to do that, I think you need to be, you know, true to yourself and, and be open to others uh, without judgment. Is to there a safety aspect to it? Like, do you have to be feel safe in the conversation for it to be authentic? Um, I, I think I think you want to create a safe place, if you will. And I think some of that is that empathy and that listening piece that we talked about. Um, you know, I, I think of three Bs. We've heard of, of three Bs in a lot of different things. For me, in, in this context, I think it's, you know, to be open uh, and to try to be honest and, and to be kind. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a lost art uh, is being kind. I think I think so much of the communication we see nowadays is so confrontational that, that we've lost that little piece of it. So be open be honest, be kind. Jim, I want to circle back to the story you told at the top. Do you think that it's possible to have an authentic conversation when there's an end game by one of the people? Like this is a, a sales conversation. Can you be authentic in that kind of space? Wow. I mean, that's a really good one. Um, I, you know, some people believe in their product and you, you kind of need to if you're in sales, honestly. But he wasn't receptive to me feeling that there wasn't a really good fit here. Mm. So he just kind of kept on going when we should have just left that conversation at that. And, and, and there's a risk, you know, in sales on that. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like when there's an end game and the, and the salesperson isn't doing a good job of 
being empathetic and paying attention and reading the signs that the conversation can become really inauthentic pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, he would have gone more into what I would call consultative selling, mm -hmm. which was to figure out my needs first and then see if that product would have actually fulfilled any of those needs. Yeah. And being, being in a service providing role, I really feel like you can't sell a service by talking about it. You can only sell a service by actually doing it and letting somebody experience it. And then you can have an authentic conversation of whether they need that ongoing or not. Yes. I, I think, I think the best salespeople are those who, you know, do spend that time and that consultative approach to try to understand what is it the other, what are the other person's needs? Do they need, do they need what I'm selling? And if the can answer that be inauthentic, can it be, can it feel creepy that someone's trying to like get in your space because they're trying to sell? And so, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of salespeople over the years and sold things myself. I think, uh, you know, again, if it's honest and you're, and you're genuinely trying to find out, understand, Hey, this isn't a fit, you know, uh, and, and, to, and to literally, you know, un unhitch the, uh, the boat at that point and, and say, Hey, it's okay. Uh, it's not a fit here. Maybe there's an opportunity for something else down the road. Mm, yeah. So then that begs the question, how do you create an authentic conversation? If you're purposeful about it, what kind of tips or advice or steps might we be able to give about how do you create an authentic conversation? Well, I, I would do this. My, my grandfather was a lifetime United Methodist minister. And, and, and he used to say, give me five minutes and I can find something in common with anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always remembered that. Uh, I, I like to think I'm a naturally curious person. So I, I try to use techniques to learn more about the person I'm talking with uh, and, and maybe find out what we have in common. You know, it might be uh, it might be business. It might be our hometown. It might be what schools we attended. It might be our favorite sports teams, hobbies, whatever. But I think once you find something in common with another person, you at least establish some sort of level of, of, of commonality and, and maybe hopefully some trust. Hmm. And, and hopefully that leads you to, to engaging in some deeper, more authentic uh, dialogue. Jim, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, you know, asking questions is fair game. Uh, I think being open, having integrity in terms of, of really tuning into the other person is, is, is also going to be really key. And questions certainly can help with that. I think open-ended questions are a good tactic uh, to utilize. Uh, you certainly don't want to ask a lot of yes/no uh, answerable questions. Uh, you know, the more open-ended you can be, allows the other person to talk, and hopefully allows them the opportunity to uh, for you to listen, hopefully carefully, and find find that common ground. Yeah. What about vulnerability? Well, you have to have trust to have vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think one of the real issues that we run into more and more now is just being present in that conversation mm. and not multitasking either physically or mentally, you know, in terms of being engaged in another conversation that no one's going to be able to tune into. I think mm. that can happen quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I would agree. I think the best conversations are certainly face to face and ideally they're in person, but I think as we all know, thanks to the pandemic, you know, a video call like this one's the closest approximation nowadays. Um, and uh, unfortunately it's harder to read body language when you're in that two dimensional world of Zoom or Skype or Google Meet or whatever technology you're using. 
uh, and that doesn't even get into email, text messages. You know, those are different. Those are, you know, certainly different communications. And I don't even think those really represent a real conversation. I always am very. I was going to ask that. Can you have an authentic conversation via written media? It's one of the hardest things because I think you you can't capture tone. Uh, you can't capture nuances of communication in, in those environments. You know, telephone calls are, are better. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll also tell you, I'm, I'm a little older, but I mean, folks who are a lot younger than I am, they don't want to talk to people on the phone. Uh, they want to send a text. They want to send an email. They don't want to talk on the phone. Yeah. And so Zoom calls get closer, um, you know, but there's nothing like a face-to-face -face conversation. But I know one of the challenges in my, in my agency life was, you know, getting younger uh, account people or younger PR folks on our team, you know, to either pick up the phone and call an older client or to arrange for a face-to-face -face meeting. It just petrified them. They didn't want to do that. It's true. Yeah, I've actually heard about um, sort of kids in their 20s and early 30s now not ringing doorbells anymore because you know the new protocol is to send a text message so that they know who it is that's ringing the doorbell. And right. you know, the, yeah. you know the, the things that we need to do are, are, are changing. Yeah, I think authentic conversations do require a voice aspect. I think, I mean, you can be a text, but I think it can be really misunderstood. So I, for me, creating authentic conversation means creating space for the other person to be vulnerable and for me to be vulnerable and to withhold judgment on everything. I think that judgment is a killer of authenticity. So that is our 10 minutes. I'll have to cut us off there. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Jim. Great.